I can be a total perfectionist and want to control. And there's certain things maybe you have to know at the beginning of like where it's going or whatever, but you just got to get out of your own way sometimes. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Eleanor Bennett. Allie Deneen is a singer-songwriter, musician, and teacher living in New York City. She's performed her original music from the American folk tradition at the Savannah Music Festival, the American Folk Art Museum, and the Brooklyn Folk Festival, just to name a few. Ali Deneen's lyrics have been described as poetic and deeply personal. When talking about her 2016 album, Light Comes In, she said, I wrote these songs over the course of two years. Writing them brought solace in times of pain and uncertainty and singing them is an act of joy, self-love, and resistance. Deneen also teaches voice and harmony at the Jalopy Theater and School of Music in New York and helps direct the choir with Eva Selena. Deneen just released her new album on February 8th, so be sure to check out the link in our show notes. I caught up with Ali just before one of her shows in New York City. So Ali, we're gonna do the shakedown now. And the first question is, who was your first concert? I think it was the Beach Boys at Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, which I am now currently obsessed with Brian Wilson, so I love that that's my first concert ever. So cool. What was the first album you bought with your own money? I think it was The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. That's really great. I love that album. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? Oh my god, what a question. There's so many. <laughs> I'm going to say two. One of them's Eva Selena, who is a mentor and a friend and a collaborator. We do a choir together. She's a Balkan musician and amazing person. And another is my best friend, E. Ray, who is trans, gender, non-binary, but has been like such a cheerleader and always reminds me of the most important stuff when I lose sight of it. That's really great. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? These are crazy questions. <laughs> Woo, they're good. Um, oh my God. I'm just going to say what's coming to mind, which is Janelle Monet, because she's mind-blowing. I don't know if, if I could speak, though. If I, <laughs> if I was with her, I would just <laughs> like, hear her talk, I guess. I think I'd be completely starstruck. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, our last one is, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before you die? Mm. At some point to direct my own choir that's like a community choir and that is like a healing space for people, but also super fun. For the land beneath our shoes.
wondering, how did music find you? And was there music in your childhood? There was definitely music in my childhood. Um, my mom is a great singer, and she always sang in the church choir. And I would go to church with her most Sundays until, I don't know, I was eight or something. But grew up around, like, Catholic hymns, which I do think gave me an ear for harmony. And my parents were always playing different kinds of music. And in the car, like, on long drives, we'd sing Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Grateful Dead, um, Working Man's Dead, just that album, not the jam albums. No offense. And... Uh, my dad plays a lot of different instruments and he taught me some of my first piano songs and then later some of my first guitar songs. But that was, we always had a piano in the house and I started taking lessons when I was six. So I guess that's when music first became a practice for me in some way, which I like work with six-year-olds and I'm like, how do you get a six-year-old to, to play piano? It's such a crazy instrument, but I did and many people do and super grateful that I had the resources to do that and was given the opportunity because it gave me a really good foundation for music. And what what is the secret to teaching a six-year-old how to play the piano? It just has to be fun. It has to be fun. For any age, it has to be fun. That's really great. Um, do you think music saved lives and has it saved yours? Yes, without a doubt. I mean, it's always been a part of my life or for a very long time and like I was saying, since I was six, in like a sort of practical way. And then when I was 17, I started writing songs and I guess developing more of a private musical practice that wasn't for piano recitals or wasn't like in a lesson with somebody else and wasn't necessarily for performance at that point. And since then, I feel like at the times when, for whatever reason, I haven't had access to music or haven't had a practice I do feel sick I feel like it's um, I feel unwell and it's just been such an important way for me to process what's happening in the world around me and in my own life and internally the way that there's a lot of things you can't really talk out and I am somebody who definitely has struggled with mental health stuff and that's a big part of my family and my family life growing up and I've found it a very powerful means of working through that stuff and having a safe space to like explore stuff that isn't so beautiful sometimes or is hard. And <laughs> I feel like anybody that knows me and hears this will laugh just because I've been so obsessed with Ryan Wilson over the past few months with his harmonies, um, with the, the, his musicianship and all that stuff. But also with him, I mean, there's many stories of this, but him being a person for whom I think music really did save his life in the long view I mean he went through some really dark periods but it can be really meditative and amazing to like put something of of yourself and also of not yourself it's coming from somewhere else into the world and have it received by other people that connection there is a, a really healing thing I could talk about this for a long time <laughs> you should because it's just so interesting I think it's such a universal experience the healing element of music and when you say you think it comes from somewhere else, where do you think it comes from? Hmm. I'll tell you a story that I feel like can answer it a little bit. I have a friend named Johnny Talbot, who I met when I was living in the Bay Area. Right after I graduated college, I moved out to Berkeley and worked as a carpenter at Berkeley Rep Theater. And that was a time in my life <clears throat> when I didn't have music so much. I had my guitar and I would play by myself, but really felt 
it's absence that year. It had been a big part of my life in college and increasingly a big part of my life up till that point. And then I was just working full time as a carpenter and felt like totally that part of myself was not visible to the world or even to myself. And I was biking around one night early on, like in that fall, and I heard this incredible soul band playing like two blocks from my house, like in the house. And I heard it every Thursday for like a few weeks. I would bike by and if, if it was a Thursday, I would hear them. I had no idea who they were, but was just like, I need to meet these people. <laughs> like, what is this band? Like, how can I know where they're playing, you know, or whatever, when, if they ever play out. And so I left a note because I didn't know what else to do. And I asked if they ever needed a singer and left my phone number i got a call like a month later from this guy that was like you had the nerve to leave me a note like you better come over here and sing something for me and i did i brought my guitar and he his name is johnny he just took me into his house and got me to sing some stuff and i happened to love some old soul music and like played some otis redding song or something that i was singing at the time and he johnny talbot has a band called Johnny Talbot and the Thangs and they used to play with like Otis they used to play with that band with his band Johnny used to be the guitarist for Marvin Gaye for like a year or two and played with Aretha and wow. like he has these posters of him playing with Martha and the Vandellas and Otis Redding and he's you know in his 70s or something and we just had such amazing conversations I mean he taught he taught me like for I would go over there once a week or once every couple of weeks and just sing songs with him and he coached me and taught me like you should have a lyric booklet how the hell are you going to remember all your lyrics if you don't have a booklet like kind of primed me for trying to be a singer and it told such amazing stories and a such amazing perspective on the world and he said something about that he wrote a song that like Sly from Sly and the Family Stone like stole the riff of or it, some people would say stole but he would just like he didn't say that he was like you know Sly used my song and people were like why wouldn't you go after him like he stole your song and Johnny was like it's not my song it's just sounds you know it's just sounds and his dad was a, a minister and he was like my dad he used to say that he said it's not your song that's God's song you know that's and I don't believe in a particular God, but to claim ownership over it, though, obviously, like, I believe in artists' rights and protection and stuff to protect you against labels and giant corporations stealing your shit. There's also something to be said for not getting caught in, like, an ego prison, especially within music. At the same time, you know, that's not to say there's not instances in which it's really problematic for somebody to, to borrow or to take something directly, especially in the context of cultural appropriation and that kind of thing. Not to diminish that, of course. No, 100% with you on that. It's complicated, as they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moving into your music again, one of my favorite songs, I've been listening to your latest album, and one of my favorite songs is Prayer. And there's this line in it, you sing, we only know joy from having known pain. Some wiser folks have said they are the same. So I'm wondering what inspired this line? And do you think joy and pain really are the same? Hmm. It's been a while since I wrote that. I'm like, what was I thinking about at that moment? Well, I definitely think you can only know joy from having known pain that like I do think that those two things are deeply connected and more specifically grief. It's really important to grieve. I think we're grieving all the time, but I think like when you get into troubles, when you don't let yourself actually feel the grief from whatever it is that you've lost, it could be a relationship, but also 
just a moment in time, you know, like everything changes. So letting yourself be really present to those feelings lets you be really present to different feelings, joy. And just I've experienced so many times that going through deep heartbreak or something, some great loss of some kind or challenging time and then settling in a little bit into the pain and just like letting instead of fighting it letting myself be with it and usually it's during winter just happens to line up that way I think like if you can lean into it winter is a good time to sort of be with some of those emotions and more difficult experiences and then I mean over here on the east coast at least then spring comes and I don't feel like you need to go through like extreme despair or pain in order to experience joy in life, like the type of pain that's destructive or like really damaging to you. But yeah, pain maybe that breaks you open. It means it makes you vulnerable. And if you're vulnerable, you're more open to whatever's coming. So like I've had that happen a lot where I'm like having a really hard time and then I'm more vulnerable with my friends, with new friends, with relationships, with places, let myself be seen more so much goodness can come from that may you know in your bones being lost is to be seeking something more and we only know joy from having known pain some wiser folks have said they are the same some wiser folks have said they are the You once wrote that music is the medium through which I seek to understand myself and history. And so I'm wondering, what have you learned about yourself and how you fit into this ever-evolving history? Hmm. Well, one piece of that is the history of the United States, history of enslavement in the United States and of race in the United States and how... It connects to our music, obviously. So much of American folk music and then all the music that grows out of folk music from the U.S. grew out of spirituals, of African-American spirituals, which grew, which a lot of those were first work songs that enslaved people were singing in the, in the fields while they were being forced to work. And through my own research, reading, and also having a connection with Francois Clemens, the artist in residence um, at Middlebury College, just listening to all of his stories and all of his insight and all of his wisdom. And he taught spirituals and he taught spirituals like a mostly white college and just all of his perspective on when you can sing certain things and how you can sing them. And he always impressed on me the importance of giving historical context to whatever you're doing. And that's a way to show respect for the song which I I always try to do if I'm singing something that's not my own, or even if it is my own, if it has certain influences. And I guess about, yeah, my own place in the world, it's just, again, a way that I can explore or express things that aren't. So I can't just think about or talk about with people because lyrics need to be a little mysterious. The, yeah, the, the lyrics in the songs I write can't be too literal. When they've become too literal, they've become uninteresting and often I'll write something and then like later be like that's what that was about but at the time may not know exactly I love what you just said that it almost reveals itself to you later on yeah and it's like respectful to your work and whatever's trying to come out to be like okay do your thing 
I can be a total perfectionist and want to control. And there's certain things maybe you have to know at the beginning of like where it's going or whatever, but you just got to get out of your own way sometimes. Yeah. Going back to your musical influences for a second, you described your music as being influenced by folk traditions from the U.S., the oldest of which were created by black people suffering under slavery and terrible oppression, which you just spoke to. I want to go back into that because I guess I'm wondering, like, how do you pay homage to that? Because so often it's not done right. I don't I don't know. I'm not, of course, by any means an authority, which is figuring out how to be a white person living in a white supremacist society, you know? And there's so many pieces to that. I do think as artists, you... Any artist has a responsibility to speak truth to power and to really do the work to understand your position, your positions of privilege, um, to, yeah, try and speak openly about it. And it's definitely something I, I struggle with in terms of, because sometimes I just get on stage and I'm like nervous and don't want to say anything between my songs, <laughs> but it feels a lot better to, even if I'm uncomfortable doing it, to like speak honestly about what a song is about, like River Song, I was thinking about the prison industrial complex and about systemic racism in that institution. And I have another song that I just finished this past year that's about the U.S.-Mexico border and about about migration stuff, but pretty specifically about the Sonoran Desert and people who are walking across. And I have friends that do humanitarian aid work down there. So I guess, yeah, speaking openly about these issues and finding ways to plug into movement work you know if you're a musician writing music about it or trying to put on concerts for certain groups organizations or finding a way to volunteer your time you're meeting people that are outside of your world especially within artistic communities I think that's important because it can become so insular and it's like so amazing in some ways to feel like I have a very tight-knit artistic community especially at the Jalopy Theater and School of Music in Red Hook Brooklyn which is just one of my favorite places but yeah to give yourself a way to connect with people that are living a different life than you in terms of their work in terms of their life experience and yeah, also to know when it's right not to speak up and not to perform even and when it's right not to perform a certain song and to to pass the mic, you know, to like make sure not to not be a voice for the voiceless, but to like give the mic to people who haven't had a chance or the resources or whatever it is to to find ways to do that. I really appreciate that because I think any growth is going to start with acknowledging that we don't have all the answers and that we're doing the work. Do you think things are improving for young women breaking into the music industry? As the larger culture is shifting around misogyny and patriarchy, of course it's going to impact the music industry. The folk music community that I'm a part of, it feels like a lot of times pretty good balance a pretty good gender balance but sometimes I really don't feel that way <laughs> sometimes I feel pretty frustrated by just like that there seem to be a lot less women in certain areas of music definitely on the production end which I'm not sure exactly why that is and I have a, a friend who was my piano student but she's like an incredible pianist her name's Adele Fournay and she just finished her PhD in music technology 
writing about women in music technology. And something she always brought up was, you know, all these really famous artists who may claim to empower women, like why don't they work with female engineers or with non-male engineers? And I personally have been in plenty of studios where everybody that's working is a dude. And that's really problematic because that's like such a vulnerable place to put yourself in, especially if you're like writing your own music or, or just singing, you know, and I've heard plenty of stories I luckily haven't experienced this, but of like young women going in to record and, you know, just being hassled or looked down upon or condescended to by these um, older or not older male engineers. And imagine if there were tons of studios, there was only non-male people working there. And just like that, what a different (laughs) environment that would create for young women artists. So yeah, I hope that that shifts and I want to understand more like why there's such an imbalance it can't be that women are not interested you know I think it's like with any industry if it's all men then it's just hard to break in because it's like who are your mentors going to be who's going to understand your perspective who's going to welcome you like all those things are against you who's going to pay you (laughs) so many industries have this problem Anyway, on that note, what advice would you give to other female artists who are just beginning their musical journeys? Wow. Hmm. Make sure that you have one or two people that you feel really safe sharing your music with and talking about your music with. Like I was describing the two important people in my life for music. One of them is my friend who just whenever I've, you're going to, doubt yourself you're gonna doubt yourself all the time everybody does and especially if you're out there like putting your voice out there and your lyrics out whatever it is you're doing it's so important to have somebody that's going to reflect back to you yourself when you forget yourself because you will so finding those people or person doesn't you don't need a ton you know i think also finding a place where you like to perform regularly that feels safe to you and feels fun and feels like there's community Because, like, you're probably going to play a lot of bad gigs. Gigs that don't pay you enough. Gigs where it's a really noisy bar. Gigs where you feel disrespected by the sound person. Or, like, there's so many versions of that bad gig. But you'll probably play a few. Call me if you don't, because I'd like to know who you are, how you did that. So just to make sure that you have a place that is, like, your regular spot. You know, if it's an open mic, whatever it is. Maybe especially if it's an open mic at the beginning. It's supportive and fun. Yeah, I think that's vital. And make sure you make time for your practice. I need to remember that. It's, there's so much to distract or to make you feel like it's not important what you're doing or like there's, you shouldn't make time for it or something. And you have to if you want to do it, but also you have to for yourself because it's going to maybe going to save you, you know? And if for nothing else, you need to do it for yourself. That's great advice for anyone, honestly, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, make that time. Moving into the end of our conversation, what do you, when you look back on your musical journey, what were the moments that have given you the most joy? And what are the ones that are the most challenging? Maybe I'll start with challenging. (laughs) Uh, I still have a hard time playing at like crowded bars especially my original stuff at this point I kind of don't want to do it and I'm saying no to those kind of gigs it works for some people and some people find it fun no matter what but for that particular music it feels like oh it's too quiet and it's too emotional so I guess 
playing other kinds of not so fun gigs and having to learn like what works for me and what doesn't has been a process and will continue to be touring has its ups and downs um that having to market try to market yourself or put it in some sort of package just not super great at that and don't really want to do it so that's felt like icky at times hmm truly the most frustrating has been like when i'm trying to write and it's not coming and i feel really mad at myself i get super mad at myself and that happened so much this past year i'd sit down and it would end in just like frustration and anger which is like god this practice and experience that has brought me such solace and peace is now like making me agitated and i mean the way i was reacting to what was happening was anger so that's yeah like writer's block i guess it's just like well how do you handle that which is a, for another conversation the most joy well there's just so many very joyful moments there's been so many times i've been having a really rough day and then i'll play a show and it completely changes it or reminds me of so much i feel really lucky to get to to perform especially the songs that i write i feel very lucky to get to perform those for people and there's a couple venues that are really special jalopy is so special it's an amazing community so i know any night that i go there i'm gonna run into anywhere from two to 15 people that i know depending on the night and it's a it's a good listening space there's a bar next door so it's like got a mix of everything the owl music parlor is another one of my favorite venues that's really a listening room the sound is amazing this guy oren blodo who is who is in elysian fields incredible guitarist also made this venue and the space is like perfectly curated for sound very intentionally with vinyl panels and stuff that's a treat and just the room itself is a, is beautiful and really intimate you're on the same level with the audience lately playing with this like larger band that i've put together it's with like a cello and two violins and another singer and a percussionist all of whom are dear friends and so to be on stage with these people i love and to hear the arrangements that are like in my head every time i play a song but to hear them like actually hear them and then know that everybody else can hear them is it's hard for me not to start crying sometimes during the songs i'm like that's i can't believe you're really doing that yeah and just like to look out and see people i love in the audience and people i don't know that look like they're enjoying it and to be in the audience that shows like that too you know yeah it's all really good bringing me right there i feel like i'm in the audience (laughs) what's next on the horizon for you i am excited to work more with theater projects or dance or to try and do those kind of collaborations for sure and i've been teaching choirs more and more and loving that and loving trying to figure out arrangements for choirs and like i said the community choir thing i just think it's so good for people so that keep arranging for strings keep practicing spanish uh yeah keep fighting fascism (laughs) that's plenty right for the next year (laughs) all small things nothing too big (laughs) you've inspired me ali thank you so much for talking with me today thank you it's nice to re-meet you and i can't wait to hear it and all the other interviews you do it's a great project thank you and then where can people find your work alidenine.com and I'm pretty good about putting my shows up there. And there's a mailing list you can sign up for. I have a Facebook page, Allie Deneen Music. And Instagram, Allie underscore Deneen. I'm on Bandcamp. I'm on iTunes, YouTube. 
Spotify. This song is called Hold On. Behind the scenes, the real deal.
But I'm studying to look around I see we see of people Trying to pull each other up from these trenches So hold on, hold on Things are not as they But someday they're bound to fall Or be broken down And those who know That to love is not to own Will never find themselves This episode was produced by Eleanor Bennett. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.